On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses the King's X albums, Faith, Hope, Love, and King's X. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we continue to discuss the King's X catalog moving on to albums 3 and 4, Faith, Hope, Love, and the self-titled King's X. Gentlemen, first of all, Tony Levin's a fucking beast. I just want to put that out there. But now we're here to continue our discussion of King's X. These two albums will finish out the Sam Taylor era. And Paul, I'll be curious to see if you have any more strong feelings about Sam Taylor. Yeah, I, I feel a little like I sort of overshadowed the end of our last episode with my with my um negative attitudes about sam taylor so i i feel a little bad about that now the question is do you owe sam taylor a dinner or is he such a fucking bastard no one cares oh no you know what it was was right before we got on i not right before but in the hours preceding, I was looking through some things, and I found a very little, there was very little bit about Sam Taylor on the internet. He has a very small internet presence. And as I looked through his wiki, and I looked at, like, his cre- his credentials, all I could think of was, like, oh my gosh, like, what what like what did what did he have to really offer? Like what business did he have to to be like you know telling these guys? Oh, I've got you know the the master plan for you guys because up to that point he was basically a you know video producer for ZZ Top and they were, they made great videos so I guess you can't knock that right? Um, you can't knock that. And then there was another link to some article and he just came off on the article just like very arrogant and it just like sort of sent me into a tizzy um right before we we jumped on so that's kind of why i said that so um (laughs) it would it would probably be very interesting to get uh to get sam taylor's view on things over uh over a dinner but i would much rather have dinner with uh with doug ty and jerry so as i mentioned previously tonight we we will be discussing 1990s Faith, Hope, Love, produced by Sam Taylor and King's X and released on Megaforce. The band lineup, Doug Pinnock, as usual, Ty and Jerry as well. Faith, Hope, Love is the third studio album by the American rock band King's X. Six Broken Soldiers is the first King's X song to feature Jerry drummer Jerry Gaskill on lead vocals. That's what the Wikipedia page has to say about Faith, Hope, Love. 
So there you go. Mm. Wow. Then, it, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's more right. to it, but I just get this stuff sort of at the top, you know. Um, yeah, I'm actually on on it right now. I don't. There really isn't more to it. There's the track listing, the personnel, and the and uh, you know, this has a lot to do. This has a lot about. Um, well, it says it says a lot about something. I don't know what it says a lot about. And then in 1992, they released King's X. This is listed as, uh, the producer is listed as Sam Taylor alone, not with King's X. But this was released on the parent label Atlantic. And same, uh, same lineup, Doug, Ty, and Jerry. King's X is the self-titled fourth album by heavy metal slash hard rock trio King's X, released in 1992 through Atlantic Records. The album marked the end of the band's relationship with producer Sam Taylor, with the band citing creative differences for the split. And that's what we have to work with tonight, gentlemen. That's unbelievable. Well, it's a good thing that we are all pools of giant pools of knowledge when it comes to King's X. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm thinking you're you're a gianter pool of knowledge than I am, Paul, but um, it, it is amazing that, you know, these albums that, you know, I think are such shining examples, really, of of creative work, and there's just, there's nothing known, written, said about them. Um, I don't know if it speaks to, if it speaks to the fact that, you know, no one paid attention or that we're getting into bands that maybe don't have as dedicated followings as Marillion and Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just it's it's a little well, bit interesting. I can't. I I I, <clears throat> I I sort of shake off the notion that the the following isn't dedicated. But I think I feel like the King's X following is probably smaller. If that's if that's possible. Um, than like Marillion, and um, certainly than Yes. But there is a tight camaraderie, I think, between King's X fans um, that, that is, you know, similarly felt like when you go see, you know, at a Marillion show, you can be standing out front of, of, <laughs> of the, the Keswick Theater on a chilly November evening and meet a stranger, in, you know, from England out of nowhere and have dinner with him. And, you know, simply on the fact that you both love Marillion. Yes. And you sit and have dinner and you enjoy the show and become friends on Facebook. And there are, you know, like the King's X community, there is a King's X Facebook group that I'm a part of that, you know, people are just on there all the time. And they are, they're all of a single mind when it comes to King's X. They love the band. And they are all tight. And when we go see them in Sellersville, there's a whole bunch of people that are there, and 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 everybody shares their uh, their experiences and their videos. And it's so I feel like it's a tighter community, and maybe a community that doesn't necessarily uh, because they're so tight. And a lot of them have these amazing stories of interpersonal relation or like conversations with the bands and knowing the band. And I think that these guys are um, particularly Doug is very accessible to the fans. And um, so maybe that prevents them from feeling the need to, you know, go to Wikipedia and, 
you know, document everything. But I, I, I'm just shocked because I know when Faith, Hope, Love came out, they, they were in Rolling Stone magazine. There was a huge article on King's X in Rolling Stone. And it just is surprising to me that, like, that stuff didn't end. But I guess maybe that's just in the King's X band part of that must be, must be that. Because that's fairly extensive, so... One metric that, that I use occasionally is the site songmeanings.com. And for King's X, the bulk of the tunes uh, in the index have zeros, meaning that there are no comments. <laughs> uh, some, of the, some of the songs have one comment, some have two. Occasionally you'll see a three or a four. Um, the only one that really sparked a lot of interest, Dogman has ten comments. Everybody wow. wanted to know what what, what that meant, um, but yeah. As as for really, th this is a <laughs> this is a, a pretty good metric. It's a random but pretty good, and it, it proves your point that I guess folks are going straight to the source. They're talking right to the band. They're they're talking with their their fellow fans, and they're skipping some of the the mainstream random sites where, where people sometimes flock that's interesting I, I i don't know what that means but i i do find it interesting yeah so, I, I mean like you know an example is that you know there is no other band that i know where i have a picture of me and my friends and the drummer's mother um after a show <laughs> just hanging out um, waiting, waiting in the in the merch line, and there's Jerry's mom who's hanging out at the show in Delaware, and and me and my buddies who were there, we were like, oh, we need a picture, and she was like, okay, and we just like all got together with her and, and took a picture with Jerry's mom. I mean, it's just it that's that kind of that kind of band for some reason. Well, yeah, despite them all, you know, spending all that time down south in Texas and whatnot. Um, I read that uh, Jerry's house was wiped out after uh, Hurricane Katrina, so he's got to be either in South Jersey or Delaware. He's um, I want to say he's like a South Jersey. Well, not uh, South Jersey. Like a, I want to say like Tom's Riverish, but yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Okay, Central. Oh, good. Tom's River, wonderful. Yeah, Upper Central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Close to the beach. Yeah. So <laughs> we're all snacking. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you recovered well from the uh, from the from the uh, hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. So faith, hope, so, love. Sorry. Go faith, ahead, Joe. Hope, love. Faith, hope, love was like it was the first release of the band after we had discovered them. Yeah. And I recall that there was a lot of buildup and anticipation around that. And um, I want to say we went to see them a couple times on the various Faith, Hope, Love tours. And I, I just remember being completely just overwhelmed and into it back in the day. Um. You know, yeah. we had, you know, we, 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 like I said, we went to the shows, we had all the merchandise. Um, I still have a poster, and I want to say, Paul, somehow you hooked me up with it. 
I, I think I don't really I don't know why I think that, but it's a double sided poster, and on one side it's got you know a group photo, and on the other side it has I want to say the uh, the cover art, and huh. um, well. I happily take credit for that. Although I, when I think about my state of mind in 1990, I can't believe that I would have parted with such a fine piece of merchandise. But um, well, I think I think you had your own. <laughs> but I think oh, well, that would explain it. <laughs> <laughs> that that may or may not be true, Paul. I really, really don't know. It just that's that's what's in my head. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah, so to, to elaborate a little bit on the excitement, Joe, so, uh, you know, October, it, this week, in fact, I think you said, October, uh, whatever date it was, late October was the release date of uh, uh, Faith, Hope, Love. Um, I suppose we have that on Wikipedia, right? That's probably the one thing that we do have. Um, nope. Not there. But it was just the other day, because you posted it on Twitter, I believe, right? So, yes, um, yes, I did. Oh, sorry, it was released in October 23rd, right, yesterday. So, yes. they, at, at, the, I, at this point in time, I guess I'm a sophomore, or not a junior in college. So, so um, I'm at the college radio station, and we get the single CD mm -hmm. for It's Love that comes in, and... So, of course, like, I burned that right away um, onto a cassette, because that's all I had at the time to burn things to, and listened to, you know, the single version of It's Love around the clock for the entire, you know, month and a half that, you know, I, I had it prior to the album coming out. And um, so, and, and, you know, It's Love, coming off of, you know, discovering them completely immersing oneself in Gretchen and then out of the silent planet and then Gretchen again. And then it literally just what, two years later having faith, hope, love come out. Like when it's love first hit my ears, I was like, yes, like this is, this is it. You know, this is King's X. And, um, and what made the release date of October 23rd so much more exciting for me, was that I was headed up to New York for the College Music Journal convention that following weekend. And King's X played a set at the Limelight in New York City um, on that, whatever that was, a Saturday night, I think, um, October 27th, 1990. And so only having the, the album for you know, a couple of days, literally just three or four days, um, listening to it. And I remember driving up to New York for the, for the music conference, blasting everyone who was driving with me out with, um, with Faith, Hope, Love. And um, that concert, not only, like, that was the only time I had ever been to the limelight. That venue was amazing. And not only was that, they just played a killer show I think they played like six songs from Faith, Hope, Love. And I was struck that the six songs that they played, pretty much I knew all the lyrics and pretty much everyone else in the crowd knew all the lyrics to the song <laughs> that had just been released that week. <laughs> a week ago. 
Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, it was um, it was it was incredible. I actually pulled the set list up online, and uh, and yeah, they they uh, they actually ended with the burning down. Ken, it's kind of funny. We were just noodling on that, and um, and I rem- oh, I just remember that show. And one of the most remarkable things about that show, as incredible as King's X performance was. I will never forget the opening band that night. It was this new band that was kind of, you know, anticipating their upcoming release. And they were called Alice in Chains. And uh, they played everything off their first album. And I would have happily never heard them again after watching that performance. Although I did, I did find um, Jerry Cantrell to be, you know, pretty awesome. And, uh, the the song man in the box was definitely something that stuck with me after the after the show um but they were i know nothing indicated to me that night that they were going to be uh what they became uh after that tells you what i know Yeah, that's and I seem to recall, Paul, that you had that ex- that opportunity to see them that early on, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, and, and I want to say, Faith, Hope, Love became a staple on um, on my god awful radio show down in Delaware. Um, I seem to recall closing out a lot of my shows with with tracks from that um yes what was that called somewhere short of paradise or something like that it was somewhere short of paradise that's correct it's not uh, it was never it was never quite past the salt but uh well sounds better than somewhere short of wilmington (laughs) (laughs) uh i probably still have tapes from that somewhere but um yeah so you know, in 1990, this was this was big stuff, and um, you know, I, I I remember just being so into this, and and sadly through the years, you know, and I think we talked about this last episode as well. You know, the band has you know, and and we've we've recounted the stories ourselves of you know the the band sort of expressing a certain amount of dissatisfaction with the, uh, with the, with the sound of these first albums and, yeah. Yeah. And and everything else. And, you know, something happened and, you know, in my mind, I had sort of started to, to, to taint the memory of this record. And as I was preparing for this episode, you know, that was one of the things that I was sort of struggling with is, you know, is it, where, how should I feel about this album? Is it, is it genius? Is it not? Um, um, you know, what, what should I, what should I do with it? And I had, I had kind of gotten in my head that Faith, Hope, Love was, was sort of a, a very flawed album. Before this is all before I started listening to it, and and I somehow convinced myself that this album was flawed, and you know the 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 poster child for that was uh, was Moan Jam, and I was sort of preparing myself 
to, um, you know, come on here and start talking about, you know, the shortcomings of faith, hope, love, and how, you know, the sounds weren't right, and maybe they were reaching in certain directions, and in a lot of ways, you know, King's X was was a stronger album and, and everything else. And then I played it, and it just kicked my ass left, right, and center, and Moan Jam came on, and I turned it up louder and was just rocking out. <laughs> so, go, goes to show you what the hell I know. Um, you know, I, I do think, I, I still kind of struggle a little bit with, with this concept of, you know, if the band wasn't entirely happy with this, but, you know, one of the things that that I love about these first King's X albums, and, and I'm, I'm trying to reconcile it with, you know, if Dogman is, is the expression of the band that they always wanted, while Dogman is 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 heavy and it's wonderful and it's it's sort of gritty, these first three albums have a lot more subtlety to them, which is really what draws me in. You know, I like I like the textures and 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 everything else, and the fact that it's not balls out all the time, um, and you know, I'm not blowing out every you know, every set of speakers that I play this on. So, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to, uh, what to make of this other than I, I do, you know, I, it's not a Gretchen. It, nothing is going to be a Gretchen ghost in Nebraska, which is, is literally brilliant from the opening note to the ending note. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's a really, really strong album. And I, I find I, love it almost as much today as I always did. Yeah. Hen. I'm, I'm tempted to um, read Tom's text. Obviously, he's working right now, but he's submitting his thoughts through text. So I, I heard some buzzing in this podcast, so clearly you guys are probably getting the same text. I, I, I'll, I'll read it for you here. He says, my take in a few words, faith Hope Love starts and finishes in prime King's X fashion. However, it's one of my least favorites due to the wanky middle mush of songs that are either too long or lack direction of heart. The King's X album is a fun album. I think of it as the holidays in Eden of King's X, making a reference to Marillion, of course. It's poppy at times, but has integrity till the end. Definitely in my top three King's X albums. So, so he wow. finds Faith, Hope, Hope, Love to be compositionally mushy in the middle, and he prefers the, the uh, subsequent album, King's X. I think that's all fair. Fair, uh, okay. fair comments. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's. Ken, you know, Ken, what do you what? I I, I just want to get Ken's thoughts yes, on some so of the stuff. With that, yeah, right. Um, uh, I mean, I, I was more specific than Tom. I, I lost a little bit of mojo around. I'll never get tired of you because the production starts off soft and romantic and a little weak. So I I, I have trouble starting. I mean. We Are Finding Who We Are has some of the best acapella work at the end, and I wish that acapella work 
was reoccurring like like a chorus or a verse and, and, and it's just an amazing production, amazing performance. And I love, I, I wish there were more King's X acapella sections throughout their entire catalog. So We Are Funny Who Are is amazing. It's Love is Great. And I lose steam with I'll Never Get Tired of You. And I can't wrap my arms around Mr. Wilson. Just, just take it off, release it as a single or something. It just doesn't flow <laughs> with the typical King's X album. It, it's, it, it, it's too experimental. And, uh, you know, they, they pick it back up. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's pretty strong in a few places. Moan Jam is amazing, and near the end, I would say, you know, uh, definitely at Faith, Hope, Love is is really strong. That you know, at the end there. Hmm. Yeah. So I, th <clears throat> it's funny that you bring up Mr. Wilson because, like, I I've always thought Mr. Wilson is sort of like the, the sister song of. Um, no pun intended, to uh, Pleiades. It has the, um, first of all, the middle riff basically sounds like the middle riff of Pleiades in reverse. But the, um, but even the, the texture of the way the song is kind of, of is built and, um, and the, the subject matter, right? It's sort of about, you know, it's that, you know, Mr. Wilson's the guy who, you know, basically passes judgment on everyone and, you know, kind of says who needs to go to the chopping block or whatever. And, um, you know, it's okay today cause it's not you, but you know, sooner or later it's going to be, it's going to be me. Um, and, and that uh, for some reason in my mind, that just kind of parallels to, you know, you know, he, he tried to tell the world or he tried to tell us all the world was spherical. They burned his body and, but not his soul. <clears throat> it all kind of fits together for me there. But the thing about, Mr. Wilson, is that the, the the instrumental break? This took me a very long time to figure out. the The instrumental break that I should have it queued up, but I don't. That happens in Mr. Wilson is just this monster riff, and and I it crushed me for so long. I just loved it, and then one day I realized that that's the that's the riff during the bridge right they play it every time um and i'm not to take it personal right although we look like people like that's the that is the riff that's happening in in the bridge and it just like killed me and then it, and then i realized the same thing in the fine art of friendship that that introduction riff is actually the same riff of the chorus and I don't know why it took me so long to figure these things out, but but to me it just really demonstrates the like ridiculous amount of melodies and that are being written over over these these complicated riffs. And it happens a couple times in the album, and um, it just uh, it 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 just kicks ass, I think. And um, and so you're right, Ken. It kind of there's a couple kind of places where it comes up and down and and things but the thing along the lines of what joe said and i can't i can never tell if joe's still on or if he uh half of him is on or not he'll be back he you know 
he talked about the um, you know not expecting to like this as much, and I so I've had I had a similar experience. So I think that the one thing about this this record is that the there's less variety of tone, right? It's pretty much the same guitar, bass, and drum sound the entire song. I, I think the whole album is drop tuned, except maybe we are finding who we are. I'm not sure, but like everything just has that same low, like raunchy kind of tone. Except for I'll Never Get Tired of You, which starts off like dreamy and sleepy. Yeah, but you know what it has? All that dreamy, sleepy stuff is the um, is the twelve string bass, which is so delicious. So maybe that's why I'm distracted by uh, by some of that. Like all of those harmonics are actually, I think, the uh, Doug playing the twelve string bass. Um, so the for me, the album becomes very dark, and once you get past Six Broken Soldiers, it just really stays dark. Even through the highlights of the second half, to me, which are Everywhere I Go and We Were Born to Be Loved. Um, but so I was kind of approaching this the same way thinking, man, this is their real dark album. I don't, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to remember this. And the first seven tracks are just relentless. I feel like, and the way it's produced, it's like, as soon as one ends, the next tune is there and it just goes and goes and goes. And there's really no reason for like the five minute guitar solo in Moan Jam. It's, it's just not that. I don't know that I can say that I've ever really, you know, liked it because it's just so long. And it's great if you're live, but on a record, you don't need that. Um, but I then, would say the King, King's X is guilty of recording the live version on all their albums. I mean, all this, <laughs> you know. Well, it's funny, Ken. That I think that was their big beef with the sound is that it never captured their live how that felt live. So maybe that's right. why they, they did that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say that the original recording of Over My Head, which had spectacular MTV play at the time, was just a hair too long. You know, had they shortened it a little bit, maybe they would have been immortalized, you know, with a, a slightly bigger audience. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, I really, especially the first half, the first seven tunes, like I just found it just fantastic and relentless. Like even the end of Moan Jam when it finally ends with the with the drum toms and it goes right into the reverse harmonics for Six Broken Soldiers, which you know is is just a classic. It, and it breaks up the different. It, that's the last time where you really feel that color in there, and then it's very you know. From a, a tone perspective, I think it gets very monotone from there on out. I can't help it all the way till till the end. What do you think of Legal Kill? I've always loved that song. I've, I've, I, um, I mean, the song itself, the topic, I mean, if you just put the topic aside, um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it's controversial to, I mean, obviously it, it could be controversial. This if you think of any song that would be like a radio hit, you'd think, oh, Legal Kill. It's like, you know, it's got all the, the trappings. But imagine the controversial storm that would have kicked up if a heavy metal band um, put that song out. Um, but but it is a beautiful song. And um, the sentiment, no matter which, which side of that... Uh, debate if you will you're on 
I think is thought provoking. But I also, um, a lot of times I listen to that song and I sing along with it and it really, you know, any, any issue of the day, anything that's going on, anything that is capturing the imagination of the, of politics, um, really, you know, it can be well applied to, you know, the verses of those songs. It's, it's, it's I think it's really powerful. How about you? Um, I was on the fence. That's why I asked. Um, I, I, I guess the album is just too long and I was too exhausted by the time I got there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great point because the, the one, you know, the two, so, well, to Tom's point, right, of the what the middle muddiness or whatever. So when I think of what he's describing, I think of Moan Jam. I think of I Can't Help It, because that just goes on too long. I think of Talk To You, because I just feel that song's a little disjointed, although it's really kick-ass. Um, and I think of Faith, Hope, Love, because that song is super long, and it's... It's, I mean, it is, to say it's repetitive is redundant. I mean, it is, the, it's one thing over and over for 10 minutes. And um, it's, it's, a, <clears throat> sometimes it's mesmerizing, mesmerizing, but, you know, it's, for the most part, you know, as the 12th track of the album, yeah, it's time, it, it, it creates some fatigue, I think, to the listener. Okay, so I listed that as, 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 coming back strong at the end, but I was driving around and maybe the monotony worked for me. Yeah. But, but on a more critical listen, yeah, and it, it, maybe it's, it's the reason I was worn out <laughs> by, by the time we got to Legal Kill. Um, yeah. What's, what's funny about this is that, you know, part of what, what Joe mentioned about thinking about this album and, you know, thinking of it a little bit more negatively coming into it. One of the things is I've, I can tell you, I rarely listen to this album front to back. Um, most of the, most of the King's X records I put on and I listen front to back, but this one, I definitely tend to pick and choose. Like I'll usually put this on and, you know, most of the time, I listen to Everywhere I Go and We Were Born to Be Loved. I think they're the two best tracks on this entire album. Um, and, you know, We Were Born to Be Loved. If, if I've ever gotten tired of that song, no pun intended, I just seeing them live and watching them perform it live just instantly makes you love it for like another 10 years. It's, ah. um, it's a, it's, it's like an anthem, and the ending jam that they do is just completely, it's just completely rock and roll. It's always tight and, and just awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, when you look through the albums that were released in 1990, they're just, there's not a lot that just jumps out at you. I saw James Addiction on there, so that would have been a I little water for me at the time. 
it definitely signified something changing. Yeah. R- r- ritual Delo Habitual uh, oh. was the second uh, James that I was aware of. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So is it, am I safe to assume that you guys have hashed through Faith, Hope, Love, or is there more that needs to be said at this point? You well, need to go no. through your favorites. Yeah, yeah, we didn't hear you. So my favorites from Faith, Hope, Love? Yes. Yep. Um, clearly, we are finding who we are is is at the top. That one just kicks my ass. Um, we were born to be loved just because I love the ending of that song. Um, you know, it's just, it's good fun. I know that, that you know, Ken has complained about I'll Never Get Tired of You, but... Um, there's something about that song that sort of tugs at my uncontrollable romantic nature, and I, I kind of dig it. I like the the sentiment there, and everywhere I go kind of fits into the same thing. And while Faith, Hope, Love is perhaps too long, I do I do sort of react to that song a little bit. So, you know. You know, with the uh, and one thing with the Mr. Wilson thing, Paul, and and it's you know this is the beauty of, of these sorts of exercises, and and you know, I was listening to what was I listening to? I was listening to something or someone must have been a podcast, and you know this whole idea. Oh, that's what it was. I was listening to this podcast on Twin Peaks. And these guys literally spent, I'm going to say upwards of, they did like six hours worth of podcasting after the last episode. Because, because every time they got into it, they would have, you know, a different sort of way to look at it or a different way to interpret it. Or this might mean that. And if so, it means this, that, and the other thing. And it was, it was fascinating to me. Um, you know, with all the different ways that you can interpret, you know, artistic creations, whatever they are. So when you're talking about Mr. Wilson being, you know, sort of intellectually related to Pleiades, you know, my personal experience couldn't be further from the truth because <laughs> I interpret Mr. Wilson as sort of like, you know, a, a modern day anti-corporation song and Mr. Wilson's the hatchet man who just comes in and fires people for whatever reason. And whereas Pleiades, you know, fits much more into, um, you know, the, the classic heretical philosopher type thing. But, you know, I, when you were saying that, while my initial reaction was, well, that's not how I see it, but I could totally see what you saw. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fucking cool. So I totally get that. Nice. But that being said, Mr. Wilson, just there's something about that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to go quite as far as canon saying that it shouldn't be on the album, but it, it it does feel different. It doesn't play quite the same. So who knows? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. We so, could play the game where Faith, Hope, Love, and King's X, you know, together are... Yeah, make, make, make an album? Yeah. Yeah, we certainly could. So... Let's wow. Oh, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> that would be a double album. There'd be no way you. Could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's that. Here's that part that I was that I was talking about in Mr. Wilson right here. Yeah, and that's just it. Just. To me, that crushes, and I can't believe they're singing over it. And I'm glad I just did that, because there's one other thing I wanted to say about um, Faith, Hope, Love, and that's about the drum sound. We don't have Jay here to uh, to pitch in about the drum sounds. I think the drums are sounding much, much better on this album, and they've lost that 80s-style reverb. Um, the kick drum is so super punchy. It, like It's almost like someone like knocking you in the forehead every time he hits... Yeah. He hits the kick drum, but I think it really it fits the way this song, this album is mixed. It's so heavy, and the bass is just so like low, and I don't, to me, this is like the bass is still very undefined. Like sometimes you don't even really recognize the bass in the mix with the guitar. It's just all kind of a wall of sound, and I think the kick drum really helps that out but i ultimately like the way the 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 drums sound better on uh king's x and on future uh well on dogman so you know and it's interesting you should bring up the drums and and i'm i'm also sorry that that jay's not here because when i was listening to this i you know thinking about some of the conversations we had on the first episode of king's x i thought not only did the drums were they recorded better and they sounded better i thought Jerry's playing was a lot more interesting than it had been in the past as well um, in the other two albums. So, you know, I, I was I was kind of hoping to get Jay's input on that, but hey. They really, you know, they really kind of expanded into this more rhythmic riffs, you know, like, you know, even that little sample that I just played from Mr. Wilson. I mean, it's pretty chunky and there's a lot of rhythmic power to it there's a you know a lot of you know constant you know quarter or eighth notes that that end up getting accented and you know we were born to be loved is you know as intricate of a song as that that they've come up with and and, um a lot of the alternating octaves on eighth notes it so i think you're right so i think overall the music is is rhythmically getting more complicated and more interesting and and jerry's right there with it for sure So, so let's let's move into King's X then. Um, uh, you know, one thing about you know these these first four albums of King's X, and these guys know how to open an album. I mean, it just <laughs> you're just like, holy shit! All right, I'm in. Absolutely. Um, you know. So the world around me, I think, is is just a, a spectacular opening for this, um, you know. And, and you can say what you want to about about the rest of the album, but but the world around me, and I think right into Prisoner, 
I think that that sort of one-two punch really, really gets me, you know, excited and into this. And um, yeah, I'd be curious. I'll need to go back and look. Paul, back in the day when uh, before there were CDs and we were still making cassettes for each other, when I first moved to Texas, I made a tape for you called "Moving Violations Guaranteed," which I believe actually yeah. got you a moving violation. <laughs> it actually did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would be curious to go back and see if the world around me is on there because it it probably should be if it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, for me, the first four songs on this record are powerhouse. The world around me is, you know, I remember this came out Tuesday afternoon after class. Colby and I jumped in the car, drove to the Park City Mall, picked it up on CD and cassette, and popped it in the car and listened on the, the ride home. And, you know, like you said, Joe, the world around me started, and it was just like silence in the car <laughs> for three minutes, and they ended it, and it was just like, wow, that's 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 what I paid for. And um, Prisoner... And the big picture, Lost in Germany, those four songs to me, despite your, your feelings about Lost in Germany, Ken, uh, you yeah. know, powerhouse four song opening, um, fantastic, fantastic. The big picture, again, does have one of those sort of slightly longer than necessary guitar solos at the end, uh, you know, but... It's okay. So it's agreed that King's Axe flows better, right, than, than, than Faith of Love. It's just kind of a better album. It's a better sequence. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're looking for sort of a, a coherent listening experience, I could see where you're coming from there. <laughs> Oof, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to sign up for that. Um, <laughs> Come on, Paul, sign up. Sign up, man. Um, I, I really, I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I think Kings, I think Faith, Hope, Love, like I said, like the first seven tracks are relentless. And, you know, I think you heard, Joe, although it gets a little monotonous, on the second half of the album, I still think the flow is is fantastic. So I, I, you know, these songs fit together so nicely. The way "Talk to You" ends into "Everywhere I Go" into "We Were Born to Be Loved" right into "Faith, Hope, Love." Um, you know, one of the coolest things is the very end of "Faith, Hope, Love." After you've sat and listened to the same progression for nine minutes. Um, it ends and there's like this cello run. I don't know if it's cello or bass, but it's just like a slide down the neck. It's like, and it's kind of distorted and reverb. It almost sounds like a plane kind of diving and then legal kill starts. So I think Faith, Hope, Love is put together from front to back as good as any album ever. Um, and for me, there are, there are some, to me, there are some clunkers in King's X. There are, there are a couple, couple tunes I wouldn't mind, you know, just scratching off. I tend to uh, tend to skip 
a couple of these quite frequently. So, and but we can get to that in a little, in a little bit. Okay. I really, I really want to know what you guys think of the song, the big picture. I don't know what to make of the big picture. I, I like it. It's not something, you know, you find yourself singing. It's not something you, you sit around the house and go, you know what? I need to listen to the big picture. Um, you know, if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't in the middle of this front part of King's X, I don't know that I'd ever hear it again. Um, hmm. I mean, it's it's a kind of a different cat. Ken, uh, Paul, I just I missed it every time. Um, you know, I had uh, the King's X album in real time back in the day and listened to it a bunch. Uh, definitely had Dog Man back in the day and listened to it a bunch. Um, Faith, Hope, Love. Might have been an afterthought, but I still listen to it a ton. So uh, even, you know, knowing the tunes all these years, Big Picture just just was the last one that ever stuck with me. Now, Big Picture does have sort of the, the dynamic between the, the verses and the chorus, right? Which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... So it... Yeah. It's funny, you know, <laughs> that you mentioned you never, you like, you don't hum it because whenever I hear the song, I can't get near, 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 I can't get that out of my head for the rest of the day. So, um, but, but that's part of it is that there is, there's, to me, there's no chorus. So, right. like, Doug is singing the words, the big picture I want to see. I know you're listening, so let it be. But it's all distorted. You can barely make it out. And I think and at the very end, you know, when all the big heavy guitars cut out and he goes, oh, yeah. That was, like, that was the first time I realized, oh, my gosh, he's been singing all this time. <laughs> I thought it was just, like, a noisy guitar track in there. And so... To me, the thing that is cool about that song is that I don't really think of it as having a chorus. It's like two verses with this musical interlude, you know, in, you know, in between, um, which is, you know, similar to like, you know, something like Pleiades or something. So, right. <clears throat> so this has always been one of my favorites on the album. Huh. Um, there's, yeah, there's a little throwback riff to, um, to, uh, Oh, the difference in there. So he plays a, sim a similar riff that he played in the difference, and um, so this has always been a favorite of mine. So I just wanted to see where you what you guys thought, and I'm a little surprised and disappointed that you guys just kind of <laughs> never really thought much about this song. Well, I mean, like I said, it's not that I don't like it. It's just you know I never <laughs> never really waxed rhapsodic about it. Um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I'm always hitting fast forward about you know after the guitar solo. See, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't yeah. even fast forward until we get into the song section. So, like, you know, I'm with you, Paul. Those first four, you know, that just kind of keeps it going. But um, right, 
And then, of course, this, you know, if you want to avoid the clunkers, I'm curious, what do we feel about... I don't know if we talked about this explicitly with Faith, Hope, Love, but how do we feel about a King's X single? So in this case, Black Flag. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, Michelle. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. That's a great song. Um, Video is silly, but it's a great song. It, it, it's, it's a great song, and I believe, I mean, we won't know it because there's nothing on Wikipedia to tell us this, but I do seem to remember, you know, in the day, watching interviews and reading things about this album, that Black Flag was a song that they had done way, way back in the day. I think it may have even predated some of the work they did on Out of the Silent Planet, or it came from, like, the, the scraps of Out of the Silent Planet. And they uh, saw lingering around, and they decided to put it on this, this record. And when you listen to it, if you listen to it in the vein of Out of the Silent Planet, you're like, yes, this would fit perfectly in that and in fact like the guitar solo it almost sounds like they went back and and like took out the old amp that he used and you know mic'd it the same way with the same reverb i mean it almost sounds like they lifted it right off the album so it's it's always seemed a little disjointed but i love the song I, and i love singing it it's great i can't believe that you know after the band has evolved for four years and improve their sound and improve their, the stuff that they've done, that they choose that song to announce this album to the world when they have something like The Prisoner that they could have done, which, like, you know, there's acoustic guitars, there's a great melody, Ty Tabor's guitar in the chorus sounds like a freaking buzzsaw. <laughs> I mean, it, like, why wouldn't you pick that song to, to be the single for this album? I will never understand and i have to lay that right at the feet of sam taylor there we go to like, sam what, taylor again <laughs> what was he thinking poor sam taylor like you know he chose uh it's love as the single for faith up love brilliant but but he missed it on on this and i will say I, I, as much as i want to lay it at sam taylor's feet this is something that they continuously screw up throughout their uh their um re their next several releases so it's probably not sam um it's probably somebody else telling them no 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 do this this is what all your diehard fans want to hear i'm i'm just look, sitting here looking at my my notes um on this record and you know it it's interesting whoever decides to contribute to these wikipedia pages you know the Sometimes the, the people doing it are extraordinarily precise, and other times they're not. And so I'm, I'm looking at, at what Ty is credited with playing on this album. And we have guitar, dulcimer, sitar, and the Concertmate 650. <laughs> Does anyone know what the fuck a Concertmate 650 is? It's a small Casio, Joe. Is it really? Yes. Of course it is. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Paul. I was just curious. No, no, I don't know what um, the um, oh, actually, you know what? I 
just I just think it's not it's not actually the Casio. It's the Radio Shack version of that Casio. Oh wow! That there's a Casio, so it's actually it's actually the knockoff. Um, <laughs> so glad to see that four albums in, um, you know, and and their release on the the parent label that they were they were breaking out all the equipment stops. Um, I guess after you buy a sitar and dulcimer, there's only so much money left over. Can't I can't even think of what song this is appearing on. I couldn't tell you either. So, you know, are there any other highlights on King's X that we have to talk about before we talk about the things that Paul doesn't like? It's not just for the dead. I, I, I hope that I redeem yeah. myself. With, yeah, I think yeah. yeah, I think somewhere among the true diehard King's X fans, I, I I I could easily make some enemies with what I've said thus far, but I might you know <laughs> I might earn back a little bit of respect with it's not just for the dead because uh, it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's happy. They 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 spruce it up a little bit with the sitar sound. Um, Maybe it's a real sitar, according to the, 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 I guess, you know. When he wasn't playing the concert mate 650, he was playing the sitar. That's, that's, that's what we learned from Wikipedia. I think he doubled the sitar parts with the concert mate. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it just, it really, it really, that hit me today driving around I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that one again yeah I, I i totally agree with you ken i think not just for the dead is is just absolutely spectacular top top to bottom yeah and I actually i want to say that when we saw them for this tour it was at it was at chestnut cabaret and i want to I say when they came out for their uh encore they started with it and um and and why wouldn't you make this your single or one of your singles? Well, because I mean, we, we already released Prisoner. <laughs> Prisoner was the first one. This should have been the second one. It should have been this. I mean, it has everything you want to hear from King's X. It's got yeah, you know, kind of a rhythmic beat. It's got Ty singing the verse. It's got Doug coming in and belting out the chorus. It's got giant drop D guitars. Come on. Missed opportunity, no doubt about it. Okay, so now you guys can talk about everything wrong with the album. <laughs> Paul, are we ready to talk about the things yeah, so, that are, I mean, are less than perfect? There's just some songs on here that are kind of like, um, you know, I think they're experimenting into some new ground. So Chariot Song is... Is a is a really cool song, and I was actually listening to this this morning, like thinking to myself, "Wow!" Like every single part of this song is really cool. Uh, the riffs are big, the um, the the melodies, the swing low, sweet chariot part is it's all very cool, and yet it somehow for me it never really fits together well. It's kind of sliced and diced in a way that just never really comes together for me. So, you know, you listen to it, and as I listen to each part, I'm like, oh, this is cool, oh, this is cool, oh, this is cool. But overall, it's, um, 
you know, just doesn't do it for me. Um, and I can, I can say the same for Usong and the, and what I know about love. Um, yeah. they just never, really, they just never really hit the mark for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, given all the places, you know, all the improvements that they made in, you know, sort of rhythmic structure and everything else, that's what strikes me about what I know about love. It's like five steps backwards and you're like, why are we doing this now? Mm, yeah. And there's kind of like, there's, there, they have, they, so by this time, like from Faith, Hope, Love and King's X, they have created their sort of sound and it's, it's gotten darker and it's mostly drop D. And, you know, for me, it becomes like, it becomes monotone. When I think of, when I think of Gretchen, when I think of Out of the Silent Planet, to me, it's very colorful. There are different, you're going in different places and your ears are, are you know, being swung around and it's wonderful and, and you're, everything's changing. And in these two records, everything, it's, it just becomes like painting with one color across the whole thing. And when you hit songs like Ooh Song and What I Know About Love, you are getting so immersed in this one sound yep. that it's, it's, it's almost like too much. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that something that, you know, when we'll get into this, but is, I mean, is that something that you feel continues beyond here? I think it, I think it shows up from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> so what, does anyone have any particular feelings either way on the last two tracks on this record? Yes, because I, well, I don't know that I do, and that's why I'm asking. Um, I I really like Silent Wind. I think it's a great song. I love the um, you know, it it is somewhat of the counterpoint to the statement I just made. Like when you get to the um, to uh, you know, it kind of starts with the same kind of stuff that you always get. But then the verse gets this really like uh, ching ting it's cool. You know, it's still kind of there, but it, to me, it's a little bit more, uh, a little less dark. I think for me, um, "Dream of My Life" is you know it, it it is what it is. It's it's a ballad, and it's really lovely and. It's got the big chunky middle part. Um, it's it's one of for me. It's a it's one of the album songs. When I sit down and listen to the whole album, I love it. But I rarely, you know, think, oh, I want to go pull up <laughs> "Dream of My Life" and and listen to it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. Um, would "Silent Wind" have been the third single if they had gone uh, "Hysteria" on us? I don't think so. Uh, what would have been the third single? Let, let's. So I would have. Did you say I hysteria? Yeah, didn't hysteria? They released like five singles off that album, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> every, every 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 song was a single. I think it was seven. I think it was, was seven single. Was it seven? That's ridiculous. We'll have to total that up at some what, point. But let's. What let, they wanted to. Let, let's, they wanted to make heavy metal thriller. Well, um, they did. Let, let's just say we've got four singles on this record that we get to release. We've already picked two 
Let's just say prisoner is the first one, not just for the dead would be number two. Which would be three and four? So I'm casting a vote for the big picture, for sure. Wait, world, think, around, wait, 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 world Around Me is two minutes and 56 seconds. It's... Perfect single length. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put my money on World Around Me. All right. There you have it. Not, not, just, you have not just for the dead is four and three quarters, so you got to trim it down before you release it. There's plenty of wanking at the beginning and the end of that to, to <laughs> uh, trim that down. Yeah. Yeah. Man, ever since uh, they cleaned up their production, Paul, you mentioned, you know, they took out the 80s reverb in the drums. And it wasn't just, you know, that. Um, I would say that Doug was a lot noisier in the bass sounds. And as the production gets cleaner in this era of King's X, I miss some of the crazy overtones. Yeah. I would describe the low dirge coming from Doug's bass as reminiscent of Tuvin throat singing. You have no idea, like, 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 exactly. It's hard to like match the pitch or sing it back to anybody, or, 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 or you know, it's hard to say it's a required part of the song. It, it, it's atmospheric, and it, 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 it somehow he's just, you know, hitting these regular bass notes, but because he's got the distortion on, or he's you know, sometimes with the twelve string, you you get so many harmonics. It, it's just it's just amazing, and it was just like this breathy bass. It, it, if I if I had to, you know, it, 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 pick one word to describe it, I, I would call it like the dragon sound. It's just like like a dragon roaring somewhere underneath the music. So, so, Paul, you said the, the bass doesn't always have definition, but where it lacks in definition, it has this, this yeah. personality that's just, like, strong and pervasive. and Yeah, like, I, I don't know if this is what you're talking about with, with the dragon sound. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. too perfect. That was... <laughs> That was too perfect, but I think you know what I mean. It's just, it's just, you know. Yeah. I, just, I, yeah. I love that low rumble, and we, we we missed some of that in the later years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm always like, I think that's what I I struggle with sometimes. Sometimes I don't hear it. I'm like, where is it? Like, I know it's there, well, and I think that was that's what's becomes that's what becomes so satisfying about Dogman. Is that there's no mistaking it there. I mean, you hear it very clearly. Um, you know, and, and you know, it's so, yeah. yeah. Dogman was, uh, was 94, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. 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 But that'll be for another day. Yes. All right. I, you know, is there anything else that we need to say here about either of these two albums? And as we close out the Sam Taylor era, and we can say, oh. Oh. fuck you, Sam Taylor. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that 
you know, because, <laughs> um, you know, so the one, the, the one I remember thinking of, of this, you know, I remember being at the Chestnut Cabaret to see King's X and Galactic Cowboys was the opening band. Mm -hmm. So Galactic Cowboys was another group out of Texas and <clears throat> out of Houston. And they were also managed by Sam Taylor and they also had a sound and an approach to songs strikingly similar to King's X. And they were also gaining ground and they were, and they were, uh, you know, starting to become very popular. But to me, there was this unmistakable problem with, with having this situation. Like apparently they were all friends. King's X and Galactic Cowboys were buddies. Um, and they were all under the Sam Taylor umbrella. But it was like, <clears throat> basically, you take the most unique kind of different band that you can have that you're desperately over four records and, and um, what, eight years trying to create a, a following for. And just when you're scratching through, you start to cannibalize that by bringing up a band that's almost exactly like them. But it's like the next phase of them, right? And like I remember, I remember watching Galactic Cowboys open up, and I was thinking, man, these guys are really good, and I can't believe this is going on. Like I can't believe that, like basically, the guys who want to be Kings X and and like take it to the next level are opening for Kings X. It just doesn't, it doesn't make smart sense to me, given the fact that Kings X needs as many fans as they can get, and um, and I. I think that was part of the downfall of the Sam Taylor King's X relationship is that, you know, King's X was like, Hey, you know, we still haven't done, you know, we still haven't gotten to where we were supposed to get to. And you're already screwing around with all these other bands. Like what gives, who, who is, you know, who is the, the main act here, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I don't know how much that played into it, but for me, it certainly, um, it certainly played into it. Uh, and, so, just wanted to throw that out there. That's yeah, that, that's that's fascinating. I had forgotten about Galactic Cowboys, but yeah, I mean, by all accounts, Sam Taylor had not gotten Kings X where he wanted them to go. So, why on earth he would, you know, bring out Kings X 2.0? <laughs> it's yeah, you know, yeah. There, I also saw an interesting story about the cover of the the self titled album of all places on a YouTube video of of um the headbangers ball okay and um who was the guy that uh that did the interviewing on that show the ricky rockman was that his name i think oh, yeah something like that yeah <laughs> you know <clears throat> he i don't remember him being this way when i was watching the headbangers ball but he kind of came across like kind of like a douchebag in uh the interview <laughs> with king's X. And he actually said to them in the interview, like, I I've never seen you guys play live. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, are you kidding? Like, you're the host of the Headbangers Ball. Like, this is the only place where people who like King's X can hear them. And you've never even seen them live. I, I just found that to be inexcusable. But they, they tell the story about they, were they had an idea for the name of the album, they wanted a certain kind of artwork mm -hmm. and they walked into the artist's area and he showed them this painting and they were like, okay, we want to use this one. And they decided to 
to forget about whatever it was. And I don't know that that the the original whatever the original name of this album has ever has ever surfaced. Hmm. <clears throat> See, that's where it'd be nice to have some more information on the uh, the interweb so that we could we could find this sort of stuff. And maybe some of our listeners will uh, have some deep knowledge about uh, certain things because one thing I've learned about Kings X fans is that. Every, almost everyone you talk to, every one of them that you talk to, they have some strange story that, you know, where they were like hanging out with Doug in a bar, hanging out with Ty after a show and talking, and they come up and they found out all this stuff about about the band. And, and you know, maybe we should just reach out to Doug and say, hey, Doug, you know, we heard the story. Can you clarify it for us? He's good. We should. He's pretty accessible, so... We will have to uh, we'll have to look into that. Maybe I can use the uh, the power of Twitter to uh, reach out go. to Doug Pinnock. Um, this is great stuff. These 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 to me these are the defining these are the defining four Kings X records. Um, you know, even as great as Dogman is, um, you know these these are the four that define Kings X for me. The, the you know everything from here is sort of a, a departure and you know their 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 growth as a band and individuals over time these these are the four that do it for me yeah i can i can totally get behind that and you know i was just thinking about this the other day too this album was released in 1992 um and, and now i go see them play live in 2017 uh which is a long time from from here, I don't. What is that? 37, 35 years? That twenty five years or thirty five years? Thirty five years. Twenty five. <laughs> it's twenty five years. Twenty five. Yes. Yeah. And when I go see them live, twenty five years later, these are the songs I want to hear them play. You know what I mean? Well, so how how frustrating <laughs> could that be for the guys in Kings X? Yeah. Well, twenty five years later. They still have to go back and play these songs. Well, I think I think there's you know there's there's a definable reason for that that you know we'll get into in the in the later episodes on Kings X, but it's not entirely dissimilar to what Yes go through. Um, I think you know in 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 that sort of regard, Marillion's probably a little bit different um, in terms of what their fans want to hear. But I mean, most of the people who go to shows. You know, they know what was big back in the day, and they don't know anything else. And, you know, that's yeah. that's what they want to hear. I mean, you know, based on what you said, King's X may be somewhat different in terms of, um, in terms of their, their fan base. But, you know, most of the time when you're talking about a fan base for a band, you're, you're dealing with the lowest common denominator. But, you know... But I, I think I think there are some some specific reasons on King's X why you know that may be the case. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't. The fans that you know, when you go to these shows, you know, there's you. It's like you and two hundred and ninety nine other people, right? And you're just like it's just like the Marillion weekend. You're just ecstatic to be around that many people who love King's X. Yeah, and uh, you know. And, and it's funny that, you know, you meet people and, you know, I, they don't, I don't think they necessarily look that much younger than me, but like they're like, they, they, 
they like these four albums, but they're like, you know, Jones and to hear stuff off of Overtones and, and, uh, you know, Manic Moonlight, which is just, I guess, a couple years later, but still. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a different, different kind of thing, I guess. Well, and, and, and I feel for King's X, I mean, when you, when you create a, 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 a literal masterpiece in your second album, what do you, what, what happens after that? Yeah. You know, and I don't well, know. Well, you make the comparison to Yes, and there are people that will, will say they never surpassed their first four albums. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think that, you know, I think you're right, Joe. Like, these albums aren't a Gretchen Ghost to Nebraska. But goodness gracious, you know, Faith, Hope, Love is a great album. So is King's X. So is Dogman. And I believe so is Ear Candy. Um, and I, I know that as we go through the remaining catalog we're going to find a lot of redeeming things about those even though you know i don't ever think oh gosh you know i gotta go pull out you know overtones and listen to it right now <laughs> um but there's there's cool stuff on there you know yeah. so it's um they've you know they've continued the journey of creativity when when they've been able to and uh yeah, they've had an incredible run of uh, of great songs so how many times did you see them live paul i mean uh, skipping the uh, attempted, you know, show to see them in Bucks County. Yeah. The, uh, I'd have to count them up. I, well, particularly probably... this period, like like just the early period. Like, when oh. did you first get to see them? Gotcha. So I, I saw them open up for Billy Squire that, that night um, that oh, we talked okay. about. Tower, I was with you. Yep, at the Tower. Yeah, we saw that show. And then uh, I saw them at the Limelight, and then we saw them at the Trocadero for the Faith of Love tour. Uh, I'm not sure if all of us were there for that. Um, but Joe, I think you were there for that. I think Ken, I, was, I don't know. Were you I there? I think I was there at the Troc show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no Troc for me, but some, I have this weird memory of of, of the Chestnut Cabaret. Yeah, that would have been that okay. was the King's Act tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm there for the Chestnut Cap or for the uh, King's X tour, and then the TLA for Dogman. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I guess just uh, yeah, four times. That's four impressive. Times. Yeah, I mean, you were immersed in it more than I was, but yeah, pretty good. Yeah. 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 Sweet. All right, gentlemen. This has been another uh, fantastic session discussing two um, seminal albums from our youth. <coughs> I'll be curious to see where we go um, as we proceed through the rest of the King's X catalog. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Rock and roll. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you're enjoying the ongoing conversation around King's X. 
and we encourage your comments, your feedback, your thoughts, your questions, whatever you might have. Please feel free to tweet us at progpala. You can email us at uh, progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. We are also available on Instagram and Facebook as Progressive Palaver, and we do have a YouTube channel. The podcast is available for subscription on both iTunes and Google Play, and we look forward to continuing the King's X discussion next time. So until then, thanks a lot.